Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yes, yes. Welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show here on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I'm your host, Timothy Michael McKernan. Our guest this week presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, former Cardinal president, current Jaguar president, Mark Lamping. This is one of those where I said, all right, we'll do 20 minutes. And then then we're, then we're like 10 minutes in. I go, oh, my God, why did I tell the man 20 minutes? He's running an NFL franchise, and here we go. So I think we wind up going 45 minutes. I think you're going to hear some things you never heard. There's one thing that stood out to me most, and it had nothing to do with the Cardinals. Let's see if it stands out to you when you hear the interview, because that, that's actually I'm, – I'm fresh off of doing the interview, and that's what stands out to me. And I'll tell you on the other side of the interview and see if, see if it resonates – but some great Cardinal stuff in here, some great kind of inside baseball stuff and what went on between the transition from the brewery's ownership of the team to the DeWitts and uh, some experiences behind the scenes Mark shares. Um, just enjoyed the conversation. He's such a good guy. He's such a good guy. Uh, but either way, um, always great to catch up with him and just in general. But here we got a chance to talk about some stuff that we've never talked even talked about, even though we've, we've had conversations before. But um Mark Lamping brought to you by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Mark Hanna online at evergreenstl.com, a wonderful sponsor of this program and someone I recommend wholeheartedly to our audience. His phone number is 314-889-0503 or go online at evergreenstl.com. A financial advisor is so important, but a really good one? You can't put a value on that. You just can't. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna, 314-889-0503. He's going to get you organized. He's going to get you on the right track. His name is Mark Hanna, and he is our presenting sponsor of our guest this week. Ladies and gentlemen, his name is Mark Lamping, and he is with us here on the Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for joining me uh, here on the program. I really appreciate it. Well, it's always great to connect with you, Tim. You know, we... uh... Uh, really cherished, uh, you know, our time when we were in St. Louis, and uh, you know, you were always uh, uh, very kind, and you know, asked hard questions occasionally, and you know, you were you 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 represented the community well, and uh, you know, miss connecting with you. I approve. That's very kind of you. Thank you so much. Well, I'm looking forward to doing here. You know, in all the times that we've talked, I've never asked how you got started, and I love hearing those stories. You know, now that I guess I've. Uh, you know, now had a business for, for 14 years. And then you talk with other entrepreneurs and I know you weren't necessarily an entrepreneur per se, but how people got their start because you see the finished product, you're like president of the Jaguars built MetLife stadium, president of the Cardinals, but there's always a story. Nobody's just handed those kinds of jobs. And so in, in researching for our interview, I, 
I saw a number of interviews where you talked about like working for the Cardinals would be a dream job, but that's not how it how it all got started. It all got started at Anheuser-Busch. But what was going on when you were, say, at Viani or at Rockhurst? Were you thinking, I would love to get back to St. Louis and work for AB or work for the Cardinals? What was going on when you were like a teenager and people would ask you, Mark, what do you want to do when you grow up? <laughs> well, if you if you grew up in St. Louis and you were and you were Catholic, you're you know, your mother, you know, hoped hoped for one or two things. Either you became a priest or number two you got a job at Anheuser Busch. <laughs> you know, that was sort of sort of the way things 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 happened and you know, I've I I've I've shared this story with uh, with a number of people. Um, you know, the pr- probably the most important thing that ever happened uh, in my career is uh, you know based on the advice from a, a, a high school classmate of mine, I I tried out for a for a soccer team. It was actually one of the uh, early uh, Bush Gardens uh, soccer teams, and you know I was at uh, Viani at the time, and um, you know the, uh, the coach of the team was was one Denny Long, who at the time was president of uh, Bush Entertainment and went on to become president of. Uh, of Anheuser Busch, and it was through that connection with him that I was able to get my my first job, which was during the summers, uh, uh, first uh, in St. Louis, and then I, uh, I worked up in Kansas City during the school year, and uh, I was able to um, uh, interact with a number of people and begin to develop a reputation, and you know that that led to uh, to a full time job uh, at Anheuser Busch after I got a business school and. And then, um, you know, things just uh, went from there. I was really, really fortunate. Um, uh, I uh, had unbelievably great timing. Um, I, uh, I was head of sports marketing and um, at Anheuser-Busch, and Anheuser-Busch owned the Cardinals at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, actually quit Anheuser-Busch to become the commissioner of the Continental Basketball Association for a very short uh, time. And you know, five months after I quit Anheuser-Busch, I got a call to, to see if I'd be interested in coming back as president of the Cardinals. And, uh, you know, that was, uh, that was the most unbelievable call I've, I've, I've ever received, you know, in my work life and, uh, you know, came back and, you know, uh, I've said it many times before, if you're from St. Louis and you're a big Cardinal fan, which I am, you know, that's, that's, that's just too big of a job to, uh, you know, to aspire to because the chances of that happening are, are so slim, but you know, again, I, I was the I was the beneficiary of great timing uh, because you had the baseball strike in uh, in 1994. Right. And, you know, my predecessors at the at the Cardinals, Stuart Meyer, Fred Coleman, you know, many others, uh, generally were attorneys who were coming out of the um, out of the labor relations department at Anheuser Busch, and it was a little bit of a tradition that you know you spent your whole whole career you know fighting the good fight. Uh, you know, and uh, and as you got ready to retire, you were given the opportunity to go down, uh, be the president of the Cardinals, and enjoy the last uh, few years of your your career. And uh, the strike changed all that. And uh, you know, the brain trust at the time at Anheuser Busch, August Bush the uh, third, along with Jerry Ritter, had uh, concluded that uh, they needed somebody with a different profile. They needed somebody who came out of the sales and marketing. Uh, environment, uh, because the the challenges facing the teams coming out of the strike were going to be so different than what they were going in. And like I said, I was a I was a known commodity. You know, you know they you know they knew me. I ran sports marketing and Heiser Bush for for five years. I had recently just quit, and lo and behold, I got the opportunity to come back. And uh, you know, I was the 
best experience uh, of my life. You know, the Cardinals are a team that I, uh, you know, worship growing up. Uh, Cheryl and I, our uh, second date actually was to, was at a Cardinal Cardinal game, and it was a big part of uh, my life during the during the summers as I was growing up. Uh, you know, uh, when I was younger, you know, with my father, and as I got older, with friends, and and it was such a such a significant part of uh, everything that I was that, that I was about to to have the chance to actually work there, and then you know not only work for Anheuser Busch, but then be blessed with working for um, the Dewitt family and you know their 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 uh, their partners, um, you know uh, just just really as high a quality as people as you could possibly have the opportunity to work with, and uh, you know it was a, it was a wonderful wonderful experience, and it all goes back to. Uh, you know, trying out for a for a youth soccer team at all places on the football field at Afton High School, probably about 1973. How about that? What are the chance? It's so weird how things like that can wind up working out, though. But there is there is truth to that. So you're you're part of the Cardinals as the president at a at a, at a critical time for the organization that transition from AB to the Dewitts, and then also what goes on under that umbrella is Walt Jockety. And Tony Larusa, what was it like at that time? Because the organization hadn't been to the playoffs since '87. Uh, the market was kind of getting frustrated, I think, not only with the game, as you mentioned, the strike mark, but also the performance of the team. And then, I mean, AB was the go-to for the city, and now there's these people who, you know, some people didn't really know, taking over the organization, and then bringing in a GM. Uh, and Walt Jockety and, and a manager in Tony LaRusso where things were were changing. What was what was that period like kind of in the mid nineties? Well, it was uh, you know, one of those things where um you know, significant uh change was required, you know, because as you as you as you mentioned, the uh, the fan base was uh, a bit unsettled. Uh in fact I think uh you know when I uh, when I joined the team uh, that was in August of uh, 1994. Um, you know, the team had, uh, I think at that point, because I, I remember remember looking at it in terms of all, all the things that fans were disappointed in. I think one of the things they were mostly disappointed in was uh, the fact the team was 10 games under under 500 at home. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, th- there's no secret, you know, about, you know, Anheuser-Busch and, you know, their, their focus on, you know, trying to advocate for an agreement with the Players Association that would, you know, result in a, you know, a sustainable um, structure between the teams and the league. So Anheuser-Busch was, was, was really tough on the labor front. And, um, you know, I think that um, whether it's whether it was fair or unfair, um, got labeled as being a little short-sighted, got labeled as being uh, unwilling to invest uh, in the team. And, uh, you know, I think, it was, I think it was unfair criticism, but, you know, it, it, was, it was the perception. And, uh, you know, one of the one of the – the best things, I and I, I, you know, go back and remember. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm president of the, of the team, and um, you know, six weeks later, make the decision to, uh, uh, to fire the the then GM, uh, Dale Maxville, and all of a sudden, I'm in the middle of a of a GM search, and it was a, it was a really interesting process because you know I grew up uh, really idolizing, you know, the Cardinal uh, teams of the of the late '60s as a as a young young kid, but, you know, really appreciated the power of having a exceptional manager when you looked back and saw what Whitey Herzog was able to do. Mm-hmm. So I was, 
I was just naive enough to think that, you know, the model that we really ought to evolve to with the Cardinals is to have a really, really strong manager, and uh, then let's bring in a GM that can support that that manager. You know, that, that's not the model that, that would work today, but back then that was the thought. Very similar to what Joe McDonald did with, uh, you know, Whitey Herzog during, you know, the Whitey years. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, really went down the path of, of uh, you know, two options. Uh, you know, one was um, Lee Thomas was the, you know, the GM of the of the Phillies at the time. He was a former Cardinal front office member. And, you know, really, we really had a lot of respect for, for Lee. And Lee had such a great relationship with Whitey. There was this thought that, hey, you know what, maybe if we can convince Lee to come back, maybe we can have Whitey come back. You know, so we even really went through that. And then... On the other side, you know, the 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 strongest managers at the at, at the time in Major League Baseball, it really wasn't to, to, you know much of a debate. Uh, was Jim Leland and uh, Tony Larusa. Uh, uh, Jim uh, was obviously with the Pirates and Tony with the A's, and they and they had a common connection, and that common connection was Walt Jockety. So, you know, the idea of 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 you know trying to 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 give Walt the opportunity. Walt was the assistant general manager. At the Colorado Rockies at the time, uh, very well respected, and 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 the thought was, look, if if we can if we can convince Walt to come to St. Louis, um, then maybe there's the possibility we can attract either Jim Leland or Tony Larusa. So that was that was the thought, and you know Walt came in, obviously did an unbelievable job, and um, you know we got near uh, a Memorial Day of that uh, first season, and the decision was made to let Joe Torre go, and you know Mike Jorgensen filled in for the rest of the year, and. And we got to the fall, and uh, uh, Tony Larusa uh, joined us in St. Louis. And then it wasn't that long after that that Anheuser Busch then sold the team to Bill Dewitt and his partners. Mm-hmm. So it was a, it was a, it was a really interesting time. Again, I think uh, we're really really fortunate um, to be able to attract a manager of uh, Tony Larusa's uh, pedigree. And that would not have happened if Walt Jackety wasn't the general manager. The the time period of '96, I think that team kind of gets forgotten. That was a win away from going to the World Series against the Yankees. And when you compare that that roster to take your pick of the World Series winners or the pennant winner in 2004, uh, and I say this respectfully to to those guys, but uh, that's pretty surprising that that team was a win away from the World Series and nearly beating that Braves powerhouse. But then some, some then some down years take place. But you have the individual phenomenon of McGuire. Uh, when when you when you take a step back there as president of the organization, did the success the team experienced from McGuire's individual accomplishments set the stage in any capacity for what took place starting in two thousand with the run of success the team had and then the organization had, or would you compartmentalize the two, Mark? Well, you know, I think they did compliment. Compliment one another. I mean, there was a there was a major change when um, you know Bill Dewitt bought the Cardinals, and that major change was that Bill was going to be actively involved in overseeing and managing the baseball operation. Yeah. Okay. When Anheuser Busch owned it, you know that stuff reported up up through me. I by no means was a was a baseball expert, so I I did the best I could and was really fortunate to uh, to be able to um, you know what what in retrospect was a very good decision to, to hire Walt Jockety. Once, once Bill came in, you know, while on paper, the general manager reported to me, he really didn't. He, you know, he, he reported directly to 
uh, to Bill, and then I focused all of my attention on the on, on the business side of the organization. But you know, I think I think what happened between '96 and then once you got through the McGuire years is it is it really gave um, uh, uh, Bill a chance to uh, really begin to put his fingerprints on the baseball side of the organization. And you know, Bill doesn't do anything that he expects to uh, pay dividends like the next week or the next month. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's all he was always about trying to build a, a sustainable, con, consistently competitive team. So I think the real benefit of uh, the Mark McGuire years is it took a lot of pressure off us on the financial side because we were we were we were drawing crowds and people were arriving early, and none none of which was supported by the performance on the field. Mm-hmm. It was it was supported by the the absolute circus that was the home run chase and, and Mark McGuire, and then. You know, as 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 we got through those years, Bill was now into like year four or so of his ownership, and um, I think that's when things really started clicking. Uh, you know, it, it it took a it took a few years for you know uh, Bill and Walt and everybody involved to be able to rebuild the organization, and um, the spectacle that was Mark McGuire, you know, really put us in a position where we were drawing you know three plus million fans, even though the performance of the team wouldn't suggest we should have. In the early 2000s, and I remember covering this when I was at KMOV, you were in the spot of, I got, I would have to think, and, and you can certainly speak to this when we get into the topic of, of being perceived as the enemy with the Cardinals wanting to build a new stadium. And I remember you were the person who was out there as the spokesperson making those, making those comments. And it even got to a point where you're talking with, with Illinois, what was going on for you personally with having that professional responsibility to going from the the kid who's who's a Cardinal fan growing up and you know the success story from you know Southside to Viani to Rockers to AB president of the Cardinals and now people are turning on you and you're doing your job but people are unhappy when they hear the Cardinals need a new ballpark and they need public funding. Well, I think it was fortunate that uh, I didn't do that the first year I was with the Cardinals. Cause I probably wouldn't have made it to my second or third year. <laughs> yeah, a little equity. We, yeah, I think we did. You know, I think we built up some credibility during the, you know, that '96 to 2001 to 2002 period. We had made really well received modifications to the old Bush Stadium. The team, you know, uh, that '96 team uh, got us back into the playoffs, and then you had this the the, the spectacle that was. Mark McGuire, and then you had uh, a team that was really being built around, you know, uh, a number of really high-quality players, and I, I think it became a very, a very interesting team uh, to follow and watch. And then when we evolved into, you know, making the decision that um, if we don't deal with the stadium issue, then we're going to look back in five, six, seven, maybe ten years, and find out that we can't compete economically. Um, you know, with the other teams in Major League Baseball. So, uh, you know, that was part of my responsibility. Um, I was pleased to do it. I was I was thrilled to have the opportunity. Um, it was at times all-consuming, uh, but I don't think we ever, you know, took our eye off uh, the prize, which was if we're going to serve Cardinal fans and we're going to serve them at the, at, 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 the, at the level that they deserve to be served, uh, we're going to have to get the stadium project done. You know, we were, we were a little bit of a, you know, a victim of our own success, and that you know, pe- pe- people really loved uh, the old Bush Stadium. It was so well maintained, mm-hmm. uh, but it, it did not provide the economic uh, uh, infrastructure that 
uh, the current stadium does. And, uh, you know, it had to get done. And, you know, we had to do some some difficult things. You know, I can tell you that as we went through that entire process, even when we were looking at alternative sites, um, you know, the place for the stadium uh, was then and, and always will be in downtown uh, St. Louis. But, you know, we had to move it forward. And some of that, to be quite honest with you, was to, you know, provide a little protection for the for the politicians that wanted to support us, whether it was Mayor Slay or at the time um, uh, Governor Carnahan and then uh, Governor uh, Bob Holden, um, all uh, knew the importance that the Cardinals played to the economy of Missouri and to the economy of downtown St. Louis. And, uh, you know, sometimes we had to play a little hardball, um, but I think we never lost sight of uh, our goal, which was to have a stadium in its current location, uh, serving as a catalyst for uh, the entire uh, St. Louis community. You then are in the midst after the, the stadium gets approved uh, of a run of success that really, I think, still to an extent is going on. It's kind of different generations, but the team has had a competitive year every year since 2000. Uh, winning seasons, even in years that they don't make the playoffs, minus, if I'm not mistaken, one uh, since 2000, which is just unprecedented, along with two world championships, and you're the president of the organization in in 2006. Um, I'm friends with a few of those guys who are on those teams, and it's funny, they'll talk about the 2006 team, and they'll just, like, always kind of say it. Yeah, the worst team of, like, all of our teams was the one that wound up winning the World Series. Not to say it was a bad team, but that there were so many other really good teams that would wind up losing in the NLCS, or in the case of the one that everybody talks about, 2004, in the World Series to the Red Sox. As far as being president of the team, but then also being a fan of baseball, what stands out to you from your time as president with accomplishments on the field outside of the obvious one of Wainwright striking out Inge and the Cardinals winning uh, the World Series? Uh, well, there's there's a lot of things. Some of them, you know, people might be uh, surprised at. Um, I thought I thought the first game in 96 when we moved into the remodeled Bush Stadium when we had torn out the AstroTurf and put the grass in and oh, I love that. that was so I good. thought that was it and you know and got rid of all the blue paint and turned it to green I think people came in and they said I can't believe it's the same stadium yeah. we took a lot of you know a lot of satisfaction um, you know in that um, you know the first time in the in the World Series in 2004 you know was was a great you know accomplishment you know you're your good friend Jim Edmonds got us there, and uh, and the the game four in St. Louis where we where we lost, um, and that was one of those games sort sort of like the McGuire sixty second home home run game. You know he he hit the home run early, and then we everybody's got to enjoy the rest of the game. Mm-hmm. Okay, it really didn't matter. We ended up beating the Cubs, but it really didn't matter. If, if you're a Red Sox fan, that same thing happened in that game four. Red Sox got up early, and it was just a march to their celebration. And you know, you had all of all of these Red Sox fans that that uh, had found their way to St. Louis, uh, and they were they just wanted to be a part of breaking that that curse that had lasted so long. And uh, we made the decision in the seventh inning. I think there's like ten thousand fans outside the stadium to basically open the gates and let people in. And, um, you know, if you if you go and look at, at, at pictures of that game four and you look into the stands, uh, particularly at the lower level, you're not going to see any aisles because the aisles were just filled with uh, 
uh, fans that were sitting there, and the amount of goodwill that that created, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't create a lot of problems in St. Louis for Cardinal fans because we we knew we had lost. Right. Okay. This wasn't a game and, seven situation here. No, no, we knew it was over, and uh, and to you know, uh, you know, to this day, uh, when I when when I run into Red Sox fans. Um, there's many of them that that still have really strong feelings about the Cardinals because they they thought that was just a great way to be to be treated. And then when we turned around and won in in 2006, uh, we received a lot of congratulations from Red Sox fans in appreciation of of what we had done to help their fans in in 2004. So so I think that was uh, you know sort of a, a a reminder to everyone in the organization that you know. This is sort of a long-term thing, and and you you need to you know be respectful to the industry. You need to be respectful to your opponents, and um, at the end of the day, you know all of those things are going to uh, you know uh, come back to benefit you. Um, the um, you know the strikeout in uh, you know the final game, uh, you know when we won in 2006, that was that was that was unbelievable the best part part of it was is you know i had my entire family with me we were sitting behind home plate i remember telling the kids that you know let's just really remember this as a family because this is you know the likelihood of this happening again is very very small uh so that was that was one of the greatest moments not just in terms of baseball but in terms of uh bonding uh within our family because you know if you work in sports you're you know you're, you travel a lot. You're gone a lot. Your kids got to listen to criticism about their father on the radio or read it in the newspaper, and 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 you do that because you have the opportunity to hopefully share these types of of memories. So I thought that was you know I, th- I thought that was really a you know a, a, a great moment. Uh, I mentioned it a few uh, earlier, but the night that Mark McGuire hit a 60-second home run, if you just sort of freeze frame and you and enjoy it for what it was that evening, that was that was unbelievable. I mean, playing the Cubs, it was the last game of a homestand. Uh, Sammy Sosa was there. You know, Roger Maris' family was there. It was just a, a spectacular uh, evening. So there were, you know, there were there there were a lot of great great memories, but most of them surrounded, uh, you know, around uh, those things that uh, were more personal than sort of professional for me. Hope you're enjoying the conversation with Mark Lamping here on the Tim McKernan Show. We're in the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Mark's in Jacksonville. I'm in. In the HomeLoanExpert.com studios in Kirkwood, and uh, Ryan Kelly is the sponsor of these studios. He is the HomeLoanExpert.com, and how about interest rates dropping? It's home buying season. Take advantage of it. I've kind of gone from going, ah, well, maybe in a year or two we'll look, and I'm like, we might need to capitalize on this now. It kind of changes the game. Pay attention to it. Take advantage of it. And you can also look at it from a refi standpoint. Go online at the HomeLoanExpert.com. It's real simple. If I were to go, Anna Marie. Let's go ahead and buy. I'd say now we don't even need to worry about who we're doing business with. It's the HomeLoanExpert.com. That should be your mindset as well because the quickness, the thoroughness, the customer service, nobody's going to be able to do it better than Ryan Kelly. He's online at the HomeLoanExpert.com. And then I got this going on. Ah, we get back from spring training and my basement's flooded. Pretty sweet. Well, what do you do in that situation? Well, you got all kinds of things that you do, but this is, this is just, this is just true. I text James Carlton. It's Saturday night, and he's on a flight. Now, he's got, I guess he's got iMessage open, so he's able to text from the flight, and he says something along the lines of, uh, I'm in the air, but I will uh, I will land, and I'll come over to your house, and I'll start uh, emptying buckets. And I go, oh, my God, James. You know, I, I, 
I, I don't know if I would, I don't know really because I'm so self-absorbed. I don't know if I would do that for, for my parents. And here's, here's my insurance guy is going to land. I said, all I wanted was a plumber to tell me where this water's coming from. James is going to land on a Saturday night, like at 1030 at night and come over and start. This guy's above and beyond. And the process that we've had with State Farm has been so smooth because James Carlton is the captain of the ship. I cannot imagine if I were dealing with this with a previous insurance company. I really can't. I can't even imagine. Uh, I'm so lucky to have James Carlton. 314-961-4800. He's online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton. State Farm. Yeah, winning the World Series as president of the team and being there with your family, that's... uh, that's a pretty incredible feeling. And, and like you said, I, I, in 2011, I made sure I had my parents and my wife there with me because I'm thinking to myself, probably won't ever see this again, a Game 7 at home coming off the the, the Game 6 David Freeze game. I mean, you got you got to seize those. <laughs> well, I mean, how, how, me, how else do you top that? <laughs> well, let me, tell, let me tell you something about that. And you, you, you know my son, Brian. Of course. So, Great people. Yeah, so, so uh, the, the Cardinals get in the World Series in 2011. Um, Cheryl and I are are living in New York. Our daughter Lauren is up there at that point. And I think uh, our son, Tim, I think he was maybe still at TCU, but so of course, you know, Cardinals make it to the world series and Brian gives me a call. He's, he's, he's practicing law in St. Louis and gives me a call and said, Hey, you know, why don't you guys come in and, you know, for game six and game seven. And, and, uh, so we, so we did come in and, uh, I had a friend of mine who was a guest of the, uh, of the Rangers, um, uh, it was actually in the owner's the, the the Texas Rangers owner suite for that game, and uh, about the about the eighth inning, uh, because I still knew a lot of the people from Delaware North there. I had him send him a really nice bottle of champagne, congratulating them on <laughs> on what was going to be an unbelievable victory for them. And then lo, lo and behold, we come back the David Freeze home run, and then we're we're in the ninth inning, and I, I guess it was who was the closer, Jason Mott at the time. Jason Mott, the that's card. exactly right. Okay. So, um, so our whole family's there again. Okay, so it's Cheryl and Brian and uh, Timmy and Lauren, and uh, standing up, we're in, in the Delaware North Suite at Bush Stadium, and uh, Brian says to me, "I thought you said this probably wasn't ever going to happen again. And there we were all <laughs> together again. I mean, I wasn't working for the Cardinals at the time, but you know, it is a it is an indication that uh, you know sports can do something very special for." communities to bring people together in a way that uh, just about nothing else can. Yeah. Well, there's some truth to that, isn't it? I, you know, I, I've, I've never had a chance to ask you about this. So we've, we've seen each other since you left, of course, multiple times, but you've done something. I mean, well, listen, you've obviously done things that, that few people in the world have done actually statistically to be part of a, uh, an, an NFL team and a major league baseball team winning world championships. That's like hardly anybody, but I'm talking about from a St. Louis perspective, to build something huge in St. Louis, I mean, theoretically, president of the Cardinals and building a ballpark, uh, also being part of the brewery, but then leaving. That's so rare in St. Louis. And then you leave in 2008. Uh, and and I'm sure that had to be a tough decision. And like I said, going back and, and reading interviews and columns, uh, you know, for the purpose of our conversation, you said, you know, this with the opportunity to build MetLife Stadium, uh, it was such a unique opportunity. You were employee one that you did that. But I would imagine, you know, we both have the St. Louis blood running through the, through us. I've had opportunities to leave and haven't, uh, at least yet. You have and you did, but you also did some incredible things, you know, before leaving. I, I, outside of the obvious, the professional opportunity, 
I'm curious what that decision was like for you and Cheryl. And of course, your kids were older at the time. But but when you make the decision to leave as president of the Cardinals to go and move to New York City, it's not like you're going down and, and hanging out like what, you know, what I, I would do. I'd hang out and play golf in South Florida and, and, and screw off on the radio. I mean, you're going on to take on a huge project in New York City, all the pressure in the world. You know, you didn't need to do that, you know, if you're, if you're looking at it from the outside looking in, but you made this decision to do this and leave St. Louis. That's just not the way it usually works for a St. Louis. And I know you know what I'm talking about. So take me back yeah. to, to 2007, 2008 when you're when you're making this decision to to take this job with with the, the Giants and Jets and MetLife Stadium. Well, there's there, there were a lot of circumstances that came into play right then. Um, you know, our youngest son, Tim, had gone off to college, so. My daughter Lauren was out of out of school. Our son Brian was out of school, and uh, Cheryl and I were essentially empty nesters in St. Louis. Um, I was just getting ready to turn fifty. And God, you've done a lot you know, by fifty, man. I'm telling you. Know, you. And, <laughs> and uh, as I joked with Bill Dewitt, I hadn't had a promotion in 14 years. So. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just it was it was it was just one of those things that you know I think the you know I was thinking about things in terms of. Uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, the life cycle of, of individuals and, you know, how you develop and grow and, you know, hopefully how you can be challenged and, and, and hopefully it helps you, you know, uh, uh, feel young. And um, um, I always, I always, I always thought that I would have, that I would enjoy um, uh, having an opportunity to develop my career in New York. And uh, cause I'd been in and out of there so frequently um, during the Anheuser-Busch days and then uh, with the Cardinals that, you know, if an opportunity, if, if an opportunity came, came up in New York and, and, and others came up before this one, uh, but um, it would have to happen at the right time. And my contract was winding down. In fact, was, we were just about finished um, um, an extension uh, with the Cardinals. And, you know, it, it really began to, 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 um, come to the front of my mind that, you know, if I, if I signed under the contract with the Cardinals and usually there were three or th- uh, three or four year uh, contracts, you know, I'd be getting close to my mid fifties and I don't think I'd have the nerve or the courage to leave then. And this, this opportunity came along in New York. It was very unique. It had a start and it had an end date. Um, uh, I really enjoyed, um, the, uh, the satisfaction of getting the stadium done in St. Louis. It, it's, it's not easy. N- none of these projects are easy, but you get great satisfaction when you get them uh, complete. And, you know, the opportunity to do that uh, in New York, to be able to build an organization and, um, you know, hopefully there will be something after that. Now, you know, when I left the Cardinals, I, you know, I left on really, really good terms, you know, uh, you know, uh, I tracked down bill on a Friday to tell him I was doing it. There wasn't a lot of conversation, uh, because I didn't, I, I just couldn't see myself do, doing that to to the Cardinals or or to the Dewitts to try to leverage something. So it's like one of those things. It's you know, it's not you, it's me. So you know, we talked on a Friday. When, you know, he said just don't do anything for a couple of days, and then I think Bill had a couple of days to think about it and talk to you know his partners and you know, but you know, we met on that Sunday and and. You know, Bill said, you know, you know, if that's what you want to do, that's 100%, you know, what you should do. And he actually told me at the time, look, if you don't like it up there, come back. You know, so that made me that that made me feel so good. And that that would have been very difficult to, to, for it to actually happen. But yeah, that, that that made me feel so good that 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 I was leaving the organization, 
um, and, uh, you know, leaving people that I had so much respect for and getting some of that respect in return. So it, it, it was a hard decision, um, but it's, it's as far as my professional career, it's probably the best decision I ever made because it has really sort of, it started everything over again. So you went to New York and, um, you know, really it had to, had to adapt to that environment. And then I knew at least in, within five years, I was going to have to find something else or stay up there and, and just stay with the stadium. And that probably would not have been something that I would that I wanted to do long term. Right. And then, you know, ironically, you know, Shad is, uh, is, is, um, negotiating to, to buy the St. Louis Rams and, 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 and he was doing due diligence, which almost last lasted for a year. And it was during that due diligence process when he was thinking about, I'm going to need to have somebody here on a, a day-to-day basis. And somebody had suggested to him, Hey, there's this guy, Mark Lamping, who was with the Cardinals a long time. He just went to New York. Maybe he'd be interested in coming back. Okay. And, um, you know, Shad sort of filed that away. And then, um, Probably unfortunately for St. Louis, Shad did not end up buying the Rams. Yes, I would agree with that statement. And then, um, you know, a couple of years later, uh, Shad uh, uh, acquires the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, you know, I get a call. Uh, Shad and I had never met. Get a call from a third party that we both knew that said, hey, would you have any interest in coming down and talking to Shad about uh, joining the Jaguars? So, you know, I joined him about six weeks or so after he had bought the team. And, it turned out to be the greatest thing in the world for us, for our family. You know, when you when you grow up in St. Louis, you know, one of the things you dream about is, you know, maybe having a, a real job in Florida you know, when you get older. <laughs> and uh, so here I am right now with a real job in Florida. I recall sitting with you. You were kind of left to, to let my, my hoodlum self into your suite, uh, I think a couple of times, actually, at MetLife Stadium. Um, and we were just sitting there BSing one time, I think it was the Giants and Titans game, and we were sitting there. And I, and I, of course, I've always got these wild theories. And I said, "Hey, wouldn't it be great if the if the Rams bought the Chrysler plant land and started building a new stadium, and then you could come back, and then you could build that stadium since you built the new Bush Stadium and you built MetLife Stadium, and then." And you said, "Yeah, I don't know if that's going to happen." And I'm just like, "Oh, okay." Like, I'm just like, and then now, now nine years later, I go, ah, "I wonder if Mark was kind of suspicious as to what was going to happen with the whole the whole process." You know, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't have any insights as to what was going to happen. I just, I just think that, um, you know, I, I, I just think this the the MLS decision is so important for the sports psyche of St. Louis. You know, I, I'm not I, I'm not avoiding your question, but St. Louis is such a high quality sports town, you know, and uh, legendary in terms of uh, you know uh, their support and their love for the baseball team. Um, although it's not been around quite as long, still been around a long time. The same applies for the uh, support of the Blues, mm-hmm. you know, and then to have this sort of sports black eye a little bit. Undeserved black eye, but black eye nonetheless. Right. Of losing at uh, two NFL teams, um, you know, I th- I think there is a sense of redemption uh, with the major league soccer situation, and I I just really really hope that 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 goes St. Louis's way. You know, you it's know, a, the, with regard to the the sports black eye in St. Louis. I, of course, the PGA. Did you were you in town by the way for the PGA Championship at all? 
I was not, but, but uh, you know, once again, whenever you have a world-class golf tournament uh, in St. Louis in August, you're going to get unseasonably cool weather. So, yeah, absolutely. You know, it, happened, it was very... It in 94. It, it was relaxing. In 94. Oh, my God. But uh, it's, it's still, to this day, uh, of all the things I've been lucky enough to attend, cover, whatever the case might be, I think it's my favorite thing I've attended slash covered that is a hometown event of sorts. And, um, you know, as I was telling you before we... We started our conversation here that uh, I spend a few months down in Florida now uh, for spring training and my wife and my son and I live down there. And, um, you know, a lot of those guys live in the Jupiter area. And uh, somebody who came over uh, last week and I was playing golf with was telling me he ran into Kepka on a driving range and, and Kepka saw that he had a St. Louis bag tag. And uh, I think this was like at the Floridian. And uh, Kepka goes, oh, you're from St. Louis. And the guy goes, yeah, he goes, best golf tournament I've ever been to. And, you know, Kepka's not exactly, you know, you know, I mean, for him to, to go out of his way up to this guy, who's just a, a random guy who's lucky enough to be playing at that place, it stood out. And I'm like, th- that's what, it, it frustrates me. I mean, I hate to see the Rams go, but I also understand the business side of it and what was in that, that lease and, and un- as unfortunate as it might be. But what the, the one part I think, Mark, that bothers me the most is the way that the body was kind of kicked on the way out. Not kind of. It was kicked on the way out the door. And then when you're outside of St. Louis, people say, oh, St. Louis, you lost two NFL teams, just terrible football fans. And I go, oh, it's just so. But I know they don't want to hear my my manifesto as to why that's not accurate. So it becomes a truth, but really more of a narrative based in fiction than than, than a truth. And that bothers me. And that's why I get fired up about it. Yeah. Well, well, that's there's that's uh, that's well said. You know, and again, I think that uh, if there's anything that uh, that can happen that can um, you know turn that uh, story around as it should be turned around, you know, having St. Louis beat out um, you know a bunch of very high quality uh, cities to uh, get an expansion team in Major League Soccer, I think would be wonderful. Uh, you you. You you work for Shad Khan, who was in the headlines in St. Louis, gosh, I guess at this point, about a decade ago, um, as the person who was going to buy the Rams. Um, and everything that you read about him, it just, he he seems to be, you know, superhuman in, in how much people like and respect him, which is so difficult for, for owners, no matter what. I'm like, gosh, it's like, I, I I had Bill DeWitt uh, Jr. in here, the chairman, uh, I don't know, I guess about four months ago. And I said, I said, when, whenever the time comes that you either decide to 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 pass on your ownership to your son, um, you know, or you pass pass away, I feel like that inevitably, you know, people are going to look back on 1995 slash 96 all the way until whatever day that is as a glorious time in St. Louis Cardinal history. And the appreciation will be talked about for years to come. Things will be named after him. But saying that right now, as weird as it sounds, there are people who, oh, this 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 tenure and this ownership or he's not willing to spend or the DeWallet thing that, you know, becomes like a kind of a running joke. And I go, my gosh, look at how successful this organization's been. The ballpark that's been built, now Ballpark Village, you know, the Phase 2 is being built. Sports owners so often are chastised, no matter what they are or what they've accomplished. It seems to me, now I'm looking at this from St. Louis toward Jacksonville, you're in the trenches, that people really like and appreciate Shad Khan. 
as an owner and as a person? That is my perspective. You work for the man. What can you tell us? Well, his 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 uh, pop popularity is undeniable down here. He is uh, well. First, you have to sort of you know get get past um, the fact that he owns the team. I mean, Shot is Shot is one of the most incredible self-made businessman in the history of this country. Uh, he's done some things that are that very few people have done. He arrives in this country as a as a 16 year old from a Pakistan. Um, in Champaign, Illinois, and goes on and gets his engineering degree at the University of Illinois, uh, goes through fraternity rush as a young man, and, um, you know, builds one of the one of the greatest companies in the world. So so in, in, forget about anything related to sports. Shad is a uh, is an unbelievably accomplished person. And that doesn't happen if the person's not incredibly smart, which which shot is, but but going well beyond that, he's incredibly generous. Um, you know, not only with his resources, but with his time. And uh, you know, shot's not the type of person who uh, basically just wants to shake somebody's hand and then move on. He is truly interested in the people that he that he works with, and uh, uh, spends a great amount of time um, expressing and showing. Uh, the fact that he that he cares about the people that he works with, he cares about them as a whole person, not just as a as a, a commodity that happens to be an employee at, at any point in time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, Shad's a, Shad's Shad's a force to be, he's just a force of nature, and um, you know, people just love being around him. Uh, some of that is particularly down here in Jacksonville, which is Jacksonville's you know a lot like St. Louis except it's about half the size. You know. People in St. Louis, and I'm I'm one of them. Okay, you know, on the edges. Sometimes we're not we don't admit it, but you know, we always have this little bit of this inferiority complex. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know, we got a great city, but you know, we're probably quite as not as not as nice as Chicago. You know, that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, we're better than Kansas City, but you know, not as good as Chicago. But and 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 those things we we care about in St. Louis we you know we care about it to the death you know whether it's the cardinals even even silly things like KMOX radio things that that are that important to us as uh, as uh, uh, St. Louisans what 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 shot has has done down here in Jacksonville you know because he truly cares about the community he's investing in the community he's given this community hope that hey look if you got somebody as significant as Shad Khan and he cares about Jacksonville, and he believes in Jacksonville, and he's going to invest in Jacksonville. You know what? We, you know, maybe maybe we do have a better a better community than we give ourselves credit for. So that's that's probably the you know the biggest impact that that Shad has had, and you know, and and maybe it's maybe it's because he he obviously is uh, is uh, finan- as financially stable as <laughs> as you possibly could be, but it it he's taken full advantage of that platform, yeah. you know, and he's, and he's, he's, he's not afraid to dig into issues that are really important issues, you know, for the community, you know, uh, Jacksonville was one of the uh, few cities in uh, the state of Florida that didn't have an active human rights ordinance. And, you know, that's, that's usually not the type of thing that, you know, an owner of a, of a professional sports team is going to get ahead of that and basically make sure that, it gets accomplished. You know, the city's been trying to do it forever and they could just never get it done. They couldn't, couldn't see their way through the politics of, of giving everybody equal rights. But, you know, Shad got it done. Shad got it done through his influence. And I think people looked at Shad and say, look, if this, you know, if Shad's not afraid 
of 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 doing the right thing you know why shouldn't we why should why should we be afraid of doing the right thing so you know he's a he's a, a very very special person he does very special things he's done great things here in um um in Jacksonville and and I can tell you from looking at it from afar I th- I think the biggest loss to St. Louis wasn't necessarily that they lost the Rams it's the fact that they lost the opportunity to have Shad Khan be a an important part of that community because I because th- I think Shad could have gotten unbelievable things done in St. Louis God I'm I'm so glad you said that cuz I felt like I was going to ask a question that might be awkward for you to answer, but the whole time as you're raving about this man, and I've I've read so many, and I've seen interviews with him, uh, where you're just like, this is such a great person. I was thinking to myself, how different would the world be if Shad Khan would have been able to buy the Rams? So I'm glad that you said that on your own, because you're right. I mean, not only did St. Louis lose the Rams, but they lost the opportunity to have Shad Khan as the owner of the Rams, but then also as a as a as a force in the St. Louis community and the impact it could have had beyond football. Well, that's true. There's there's a you know Jacksonville's gain for sure. Yeah. Um, a couple final final thoughts for you because I said 20 minutes and then here we are approaching 40 minutes and I've I've I'm so abusive with people's time. It's really unfortunate. It's awful. It's an awful trait. It really. <laughs> hey, that's all right. I'll, t- I'll tell you when I'm done. But I'm glad you did say just a couple final. Yeah, a couple, a couple final. Just a couple, just a couple more hours, if you don't mind. I know you're only ro- running an NFL team. I, like I said, I, I, I love to to read up and uh, when we have a conversation with someone, and and I see that uh, you made some comments regarding the Jaguar Stadium in January that had some people panicking even though and I thought it was kind of funny because I'm taking it not funny isn't the right word but just to think that what we were living through in St. Louis and the lease goes through 2030 in Jacksonville that I'm thinking to myself my word if they're paranoid 11 years out imagine if they would have experienced what we were experiencing in St. Louis but that the stadium would need inevitably some some renovations although some renovations have already taken place I know you made reference to Shad Khan and how great of a guy he is and he he was responsible for for what half of the payments on the making the scoreboards is is monstrous as they are but uh, what what is that process like now as you you built a new stadium in St. Louis you built the stadium where the Giants and Jets play and now you're the president of the organization and 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 the stadium talk starts popping up again with with yet another franchise, how would you describe the situation in Jacksonville? Well, if you're not um, uh, aggressively addressing those those issues that you know you're going to have to face in the future, then you are not um, fulfilling your job and you're not representing the interest of the community or your fans. Um, so something's going to have to happen uh, here with the stadium. Uh, in Jacksonville, it doesn't necessarily mean that there needs to be a new stadium because, you know, it, I think we showed in St. Louis with uh, the old Bush Stadium that if you make the right renovations, you can transform a, uh, a stadium overnight. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you know, the comments I made were, you know, at some point in time, we're going to get near the end of our lease. And um, we know this, that as competitive as the NFL is, and particularly the economics and the economics uh, – the only ac- economics that, that differentiate, you know, one team versus versus another is the revenue that they generate from their local market, and the stadium is such an important part of that. That there's going to have to be some stadium solution, uh, you know, before we would be in a position to be to to extend a lease, and you know that probably means a major renovation, which no one should be surprised about. You know, we play in a uh, 
we play in a publicly owned stadium. Uh, it's owned by the city of Jacksonville. We haven't hesitated to uh, invest. And I say we, Shad, hasn't hesitated to invest. Uh, he's invested uh, close to $100 million uh, in and around the stadium into making it a better place and uh, to make the, the uh, team sustainable here in, you know, one of the smallest markets, not only one of the smallest markets in the NFL, but, you know, economically, you know, arguably the weakest market uh, in the NFL. But, um, you know, we're, we're doing everything we can to, to, uh, to bring about a sustainable uh, franchise. And we think we can do that, but we're going to have to be creative in the way we go about it. And uh, uh, to believe that, you know, that, that we can be playing in a stadium that, is not only one of the oldest in the NFL, but uh, that isn't providing our fans with the types of uh, um, uh, amenities that uh, you know today's uh, uh, sporting fans require would just be naive. So yes, they're, they're, you know we, we we need to deal with it, but but we, I'd rather be talking about it, you know, five, six, seven years ahead of when we need to have a solution, than waking up one day and saying, hey, look, if if this doesn't happen, then you know, we're going to have real problems. Right, right. I understand that. All right, so if I'm doing the math correctly, you're 61, 62? I'm 60. I'll be 61 this summer. Perfect. So I tacked on a couple extra years for you. It was a night. Okay. In addition to hard. adding 20 minutes to the interview, I tacked on a couple years to your age. But, but I mean, at some point, it's got to be like, all right, I've I've won a world championship by hometown. I was in marketing at AB. I built a stadium in New Jersey for the love of God, and now I've been a president of NFL for— are, are you just like, yeah, you know what? I'm looking forward to kind of relaxing. Or are you just one of those guys, like my dad? My dad, even though I said, Dad, just retire. You're enjoying Hilton Head. Hang out. Timmy, I got a call on Buffalo Wild Wings. They want to buy the show. And I'm like, settle down. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. Or are you are you just going to keep going? Or is Cheryl like, all right, Mark, it's enough. Let's let's relax. What, what do you think? Because I could see you going, you know what? There's a stadium to be built here, so I got to go there now. Yeah. Um, I'm going to keep doing this as long as I enjoy it. And as long as it's challenging and as long as somebody wants me to do it, you know, and I'm, and, you know, as long as I'm, 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 I'm working with, with people that I, that I enjoy working with. And, uh, you know, I have all of that, you know, right now in Jacksonville, you know, I've got, a, I've got an unbelievable boss. I've got great coworkers, you know, the quality of life down here is, is really good. Chad is very ambitious. So, you know, I'm over in London, you know, uh, you know, once a month on uh, our interest over there, his interest over there. So, you know, this is this is a very challenging job. It's it's you know, on the surface, it might seem like, oh, that would be a nice job to just go down there. It's a smaller market. It's a smaller team, and you know, it's not going to be as much stress as if you're in a big market. But you know, it's sort of just the opposite. You know, we've got uh, we've got more challenges down here than I had in St. Louis, and more challenges down here than I had in New York. And uh, in some respects, that's very invigorating. And uh, hopefully, it uh, hopefully it continues. But no, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know what I would do with all my time if I wasn't, uh, if I wasn't doing what I'm doing. You know? good, good for you. I, here, here's my, here's my play. This is my official recommendation. St. Louis is going to get an MLS team. I think it's going to happen in the next few weeks, and they should make you president of the team. There it is. That's what I'm saying, and people can do with it what they want, but that's what should happen. <laughs> that's what should happen, and you can come back like Jordan, and you can close this thing out by leading St. Louis to soccer glory. Yeah, that would be awesome. The only problem is I'm sort of living in Florida and enjoy it down here. <laughs> <laughs> all right, perfect. <laughs> well, I had to shoot to score. That's all I can do. I have to shoot to go. score. Mark, I appreciate it. I always love talking with you. Thank you so much for putting up with me. Uh, it's a pleasure as always. All right, Tim. Take care and uh, best of luck to you and your family. Thank you so much. Same to you.
So there it is, Mark Lamping with you here on The Tim McKernan Show. Our guest this week presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Also, Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. James Carlton, 314-961-4800. Johnny Landoff, Chevrolet at Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth Exit. Online at landoff.com. And Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com. So what stood out to you from that? What stood out to you from that? Personally, I loved my MLS play. I loved my MLS play. I'm still going to allocate some probability to that for the record. Um, but maybe him moving from Florida and being under contract could be a problem. But I'm still going to allocate some probability to it. Uh, but but uh, as he was talking about Shad Khan, I was thinking to myself, I'm going to ask him this. It's probably going to be awkward, but I'm going to ask him. And then I didn't even have to ask him because he said, you know, it's one thing for St. Louis to lose the Rams, but St. Louis lost the opportunity to have Shad Khan as an owner. And so when you think of the 32 owners in the NFL, and let's, for the purpose of the discussion, be polite and think of how unique many of them are. Uh, Shad Khan is, God, he's about as good as it gets, isn't he? In any professional sport. You know, you have you have some that, that, that people love, but part of it could be bombastic personality or they're going to scream at referees like Mark Cuban or whatever the case might be, or they're just hated. But with Shad Khan, people love him. And on top of it, he's just like a really good guy. And so if you could have had that force in St. Louis, in addition to the DeWitts and Tom Stillman, especially when you compare it to what wound up happening with Stan Kroenke and the the right of first refusal, which I feel like he had to have known was going to happen. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'd be curious what Shad Khan would say about that. Maybe Kroenke misled him. Shocking. Uh, and, uh, and he really thought he was going to buy it. But I mean... I feel like part of Kroenke buying the minority position was to get that right of first refusal so that he knew he would be able to buy it when the time came. So, oh, it's brutal. That's what stood out to me. I mean, love listening. Listen, I love talking Cardinals. I just like talking to Mark in general. But then when he started talking about how great Shad Khan is and how St. Louis lost out on that, that's what stood out to me. So that kind of made me depressed, to be honest with you. Uh, but uh, love the conversation. Mark's just a great guy. And I'm telling you, if I'm the Taylors, Carolyn Kendall Betts, Kavanaugh, and I'm going, all right. And I th- and like I said, I'm all in on St. Louis getting a team. I just Maybe I'm off the mark on this. I, I'm just 100% thinking St. Louis is going to get a team. If I could bet the bankroll, I would. So if St. Louis doesn't get a team, then you can tweet at me and hate on me. But that's where I am. I just think it's going to happen. I think they know it's going to happen and so on and so forth. But whatever. Got to play the game, play the game. But you want to get somebody who has credibility with St. Louisans and who has done it before at a high level, Mark Lamping, here's your answer. Now, he's working for Shad Khan. He's living in Florida, might not have interest in coming up here and starting a whole new thing. But I don't know. I don't know. He's still a young man. He's still a young man. Sounds like he still wants things to do. That, that'd be my move. Uh, so, uh, love the conversation. He's such a good guy and I hope you enjoyed it as well. Thank you to our sponsors for making it possible. Thank you for listening. Questions from the audience every Wednesday, our interviews every Monday for Gangster Pete and Iggy. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios.